We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. Silence! The great and powerful Oz knows why you have come. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature. Don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. <laughs> Jason Burmes. And who loves you? And who do you love? Good morning, everybody. It is Reality Rants. I am Jason Burmes. We got a jam-packed show for you today. We got an hour with the one, the only, Ryan Christian, the last American vagabond. Uh, The man does great work. Huge fan. Uh, of that website and of a, a lot of the people that write there. You know, it's not just Ryan Christian. Ryan Christian does an amazing job, but Whitney Webb does an amazing job. Derek Bros does an amazing job. It's good stuff. Uh, really great conversation with Ryan. Uh, I constantly uh, will always take that opportunity to have a conversation with him. And of course, we have the Twitter hearings. Now, I have not been able to watch all of the Twitter hearings. Uh, I've seen bits and pieces, and there are certain things that we can play here on YouTube. There are certain things that are still being massively censored on YouTube. And if I dare play a clip of a government hearing, as we've seen over the last several years, in fact, I want to make this very clear. The first thing, the first thing that YouTube ever completely just ghosted, still up. They made it globally private, globally private, pre-COVID-1984, and it was uh, Louis Gomer during the, uh, I believe, was it the first impeachment? I think it was the first impeachment scandal. Yeah, it was the first impeachment scandal where the, the name of Erica Caramello Bar AKA, we'll just call this person Mr. Chiaramella, was named by Gomer a couple times, not as a specific person, but somebody who he wanted to testify in the hearings. YouTube said, no, 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 no. El private, globally. That means I'm the only one. We're not going to take it down, but we're not going to let anybody else but you see it. Okay, and that and that's kind of why I chose uh, the Barack star here for the thumbnail with the FBI, 
because look, so, some of this hearing stuff has been gold. Show some of it has been um, grandstanding, right? And you'll see showboating or show stopping when we uh, get down and play some of these clips. I'm torn, right? I, I want these people to be arrested. I want this to be known that this is not a right or left issue at all, at all. And no matter how much even the conservative end wants to make it that way, it's not. I want to know who's been shadow banned since the beginning. I want to see the algorithms. I want to know which ones are the bot accounts. I want to know which ones were controlled by actual intelligence assets and subgroups. And I will tell you right now, if you get into the meat and potatoes of that, it ain't Ruskies. It ain't the Russians, okay? It's Department of Homeland Security into fusion centers into the signature reduction program. Twitter is a Trojan horse civilian system. And anybody else uh, up there trying to grandstand on the other side saying, a private company doing what it should have done. These hearings are absurd. These hearings are obscene. And look, Jamie Raskin is a joke of a clown of a clown of a joke. This guy, he's one of the worst. He's one of the hands down worst that is just completely worshipped, completely worshipped by the MSNBCers and the CNNers and, and the TDS crowd. If you've got a mental illness based in Donnie T and his fake tan, you're a Raskin fan, okay? Raskin's had some tough things going on in his life. I think that he has the, the do-rag on there uh, because he's been diagnosed with cancer. I believe his son committed suicide. I only wanted to briefly mention those things because I'm not here to attack that. I'm here because of the content of that man's character. And the content of that man's character is extremely low. I mean, think about the representation of the do-rag, first of all. Okay, First of all, right after he gets done speaking, we're actually going to play this clip. I believe we can play this one on this side. He, he's wearing a blue one. So he's team blue, right? He's team blue. He's letting you know I'm a Democrat. I'm a liberal. I'm playing team baseball. Ride or die, baby. Ride or die Democrat. But if you think about it, it's, it's almost ironic because I'm constantly talking about how this is the gangster class. This guy very much is like a capo, just like Andrew Cuomo is Andrew Capo Cuomo, uh, you know, running the great reset and the build back better agenda over in New York from the outset. Right. So you got a guy who, who chooses to wear a blue do rag. I don't think it's a mistake that the blue uh, do rag is cripping. Right. And then you got the bloods with the red do-rag. He's not, this isn't a Hulk Hogan look, guys. So he's literally just all gangstered up. And then he'll put his ridiculous black mask over uh, Bernie Sanders style uh, right away after that. So a little bit of an opening rant. 
We're going to play some of these clips, and then about 30 after, uh, we're going to start the interview with Ryan Christian. As always, at the top of the next hour, we go over to redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored or redvoicemedia.com slash Jason. That's where you can watch the rest of the broadcast. It's 10 bucks a month or it's $100 for the year. Lock it in. It helps support this broadcast. I mean, who's doing it like this? You know, I, I look around the alternative media and I see a lot of repeaters. I see a lot of repeaters. And you know what? That It's a good thing I'm bringing that up really quickly before I get into the Twitter files. Because I know that right now, James O'Keefe is trending and Project Veritas is trending. And, you know, this is what I'm going to say about that. First of all, there's already a narrative being set of why James O'Keefe is on a paid leave over at Project Veritas from the quote unquote board. And the narrative is they're, they're pushing him out because of such and such, because of the latest videos with the directed evolution and the yada, yada, yada. Okay. I happen to know from behind the scenes stuff, that is not the case of what's actually going on right now in this case with the board of directors. Now, has O'Keefe and Project Veritas done a lot of good work? Absolutely. Not here to crap on James O'Keefe. In fact, I remember uh, covering James O'Keefe long before Project Veritas was a thing while I worked at InfoWars when he was arrested in um, that one infamous op where they were uh, basically posing as telephone line workers. He and several other people got arrested. Now, I, I think that's either right before or right after the very famous um, Planned Parenthood videos. Okay. Once you bring in big money, once you're making so much in donations and all of a sudden you have a giant staff and you're putting on events, things change. Things change in a hurry. That is why, although I've always wanted to grow, I would be comfortable growing to a point where I had interns that came and worked and I could teach them and they could learn production at a higher level and we could still produce a show. But at the end of the day, in three to six months, they're on their way. I've got somebody new. And there's kind of like that rotation in in and out, in and out, in and out. Why? Working with other people long-term, number one, can be difficult. You're, you're different. You have different viewpoints. It can cause conflict. Two, I would never want somebody to be financially dependent on Jason Burmis because you never know right now. We're, I mean, we're at a time where they can just cut you off. Oh, oh, you like PayPal and Venmo? Sorry. You want to be on the GoFundMe? Get out of here. Oh, oh, your bank? <laughs> we'll lock that too. Well, that we're here. 2023, baby. Okay. So to put myself in a position where others rely on me, hmm, that's a little tough. That's a little tough. I'm good at taking care of me. Can do a little bit for those around me that, you know, that again, family. I think that's important. But otherwise, yeesh. Ish. When you get to, I have 10, 15, 25, 100 employees, everything changes. A board of directors, everything changes. 
So I, I just want everybody out there to be really careful. Um, when you see the narratives coming out about Veritas and what's going on with O'Keefe, uh, because I'm, I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of repeaters and, and a lot of talkers and, and they don't know what's going on. Okay. And we'll, we'll wait, we'll be reserved. We'll wait for some kind of an outcome and then we'll lay it down like Charlie Brown right here. Okay. Byron Dan, uh, uh, Donalds. That's who we're going to start with. Now, there was a clip yesterday that I saw that I wasn't able to find of Yoel Roth talking about how they needed to restrict free speech on the platform because free speech was turning too many people away and they were leaving the platform and free speech actually caused less free speech. Sound Orwellian? Sound over the top? Sound cartoon level? It is. It is, but it is what he said. So, look, th there's a lot of great clips here. And uh, we're going to go through, again, a bunch of them. Uh, and then, then about 15 minutes into this, like I said, we're going to go to uh, the Ryan Christian interview. And then when we go over to uh, Premium, we'll finish up the Ryan Christian interview. And we'll play more of these clips. Jam-packed show. Thumbs it up. Subscribe, share. This is Reality Rants. All right, let's get to Byron uh, Donalds. Scenarios from 2016. You also said that you you actually were opposed to deleting the New York Post uh, story. Uh, who advocated for the removal of the New York Post story? The company's decision to treat it as a violation. Mr. Roth, who at the company actually went over your recommendation? Because you're pretty high up. Who overrode you? The decision was communicated to me by my direct supervisor. Who was that person? Her name was Del Harvey. She okay. was the vice president of trust and safety at the time. All right. Thank you so much. By the way, it, it doesn't look good up there for these guys. I, I really hope, uh, you know, there's uh, one representative over here that says, get ready to be arrested. And, and asks for like the five and six hour depositions. Uh, it, it's so, listen, think about this right now. You got that Vijay, Vijay Gad, you know, sitting there. You know, you went from being a PR, that's public relations, Bernaysian talking point propagandist and censor on Rogan that really helped elevate Tim Cass's career, by the way, Tim Poole's career, by having that debate with Jack Dorsey as a highly watched episode. So, so at that point, anyway, after all your censorship, VJ, you, you help launch that. Yeah, you know, not that Tim wouldn't have been successful. I'm just telling you that helped big time. Okay. And then you, you're up here and it looks like you're about to be sentenced. You haven't even gone to trial yet. I don't know that you're ever going to go to trial, um, but there is a little satisfaction here that you, you might have to pay the price for clearly breaking the law and clearly being anti-free speech and clearly, clearly being anti-Constitution and Bill of Rights, period. Uh, Ms. Gaddy, real quick, you said uh, to the chairman earlier, and, and, and I want to paraphrase what I heard earlier, is that Twitter had no contact with anybody from the Biden team. Is that correct to your knowledge? Not to my knowledge. Put that up for me. Okay. Over my right shoulder, we have 
an email. Reference, this is, this is Saturday, October 24th, uh, 5.39 p.m., referencing five different tweets is that at, with a Twitter email chain. Under the line, it's more to review from the Biden team. Does anybody have a comment on how much interaction was happening with the Biden team at Twitter with respect to tweets that they wanted Twitter to review? Ms. Gaddy, Mr. Roth? I'm not familiar with this email. So you're not familiar with this email, Mr. Roth? Are you familiar with this email? Only from what's been reported in the Twitter files. Had you had, did you ever have contact with anybody from the Biden team? No, sir, I did not. We Look at these weak people sitting up there. So weak. So pathetic. And those are the people they put into positions of power to work with what? Former intelligence officers and collude with the government to censor you. These are weak, weak people. Explicitly separated the teams that would interact with campaigns from teams like mine that were responsible for content. Moderation. How big was the organization in Twitter that was actually working with campaigns? I couldn't say for sure. Did you ever have any contact with the DNC? Directly? No, I did not. Did anybody at Twitter have any contact with anybody at the DNC? I think it's likely that somebody at Twitter did, yes. In these, in these emails, it's listed. These are, th these are tweets that had to be flagged from the Biden team. That's what's in the files. Um, you have no idea how many people actually interfere, in, uh, engage with the Twitter team or how frequently that engagement happened. And by the way, I know that uh, the resolution isn't the best, but let's take a look. That's one, two, three, four, five, and I think six, seven posts just in those two emails. We're taking them down. We need to take it down. Censor, censor, censor. No, and again, that was by design. We kept those functions separate from content moderation so that we could impartially assess reports like that. Do you know how many tweets were actually flagged and taken down at the behest of the Biden team? I wouldn't agree with the characterization of it as being at the behest of them. These tweets were reported and Twitter independently evaluated them under its but the, rules. But the, but the email is very clear. More to review from Biden team. The response three hours later at the bottom, hold this up real quick so we can see. The request at the bottom, it says, handled these. What does handled these mean? My understanding is that these tweets contained non-consensual nude photos of Hunter Biden. And oh, non-consensual nude photos of Hunter Biden. It's supposed to be hacked materials or Russian disinfo. They were removed by the company under- Hold on, real quick, Mr. Roth. How could you know so much about the content of these tweets? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, these are just web addresses. I don't know what's in these tweets. You have these things committed to memory that you know the content, but you don't know who you talk to, you talk to at the Biden team? Sir, I didn't meet with the Biden team, but there was extensive public reporting about these tweets specifically that uncovered what they you were. You know the contents of the tweets. I, it was obviously at Twitter, but you have no idea how often people who worked in your organization had with the Biden team during the end of the 2020 presidential. So again, I like this guy. He's hammering it down, at least in this. I, I don't know much about him other than this. Um, but I, I, this is the guy, the, 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 this guy, Yoel Roth, is the guy telling you they need to restrict free speech so they could have more free speech on Twitter. That guy. That guy. So the more that he can be exposed, the more that he can be berated, I'm all for it.
all for it. Let me ask you a separate question, and I'll ask it of, of you too, Mr. Baker. Have you guys been able to quantify the amount of in-kind contributions associated with taking down the New York Post story? Because the New York Post story was down for two weeks, give or take. Do you have, do you have any uh, understanding of how, how much that story was limited by Twitter and also by other social media companies? What the impact of an in-kind contribution that would be to the Joe Biden presidential election in 2020? I don't know the answer. Well, I mean, take a look at that. <laughs> that says it all. Look at the look on Gad's face and Roth's face. And I, I don't know Navaroli over there. I'm going to I know Baker. Believe me, I know you, James Baker. I'm going to have to watch this whole thing. We might have to do a watch along. It is Thursday. Um, so this is the last of the morning shows. I'm thinking I'm going to be doing a pre-record uh, with Ian Crossland. I can't wait to do that so we could talk about all sorts of uh, high tech stuff out there. Really looking forward to that one. Uh, but this might have to look. I mean, look at look at it. Look how up, not only upset they are, but then I, I would assume that the front row is full of like law teams and advocates for the censorship behind them. Okay, and and, and the thing is that information warfare and people are cheap. People are cheap when we're talking about a military-industrial complex outcome, right? That's why on the page of that NASA document, when they talk about Trojan horse civilian systems, they also talk about inexpensive information and internet and psychological warfare. That's what this is. That question, sir. Do you think it's big? I don't know. The Do you think it's more than a maximum contribution to a campaign? I don't, I wouldn't want to speculate. Would you call it 25,000? I don't know the answer to that question. 100,000? Sir, I don't know the answer to the question. A million? <laughs> I don't know the answer to the question. Do you I think Twitter would be in violation of uh, federal election laws with the size of an in-kind contribution to take down a story, which is true, by the way, because you guys thought... Look at that. He didn't like that. You see those hands, those thumbs just kind of grinded? Let me tell you something. Uh, a lot of you guys follow this. You know I had some more dental work done yesterday. I'm going back next week, guys. Not just Not just brutal on the wallet, but my God. My God, when I get through with this, please, I'm going to try to keep my teeth right. But I'm like, my hands are in a death grip when I'm getting drilled up and that. And like, when I feel something, man, I grind it. He's feeling it. He's feeling it. Trust me. Uh, you knew something with limited information? I'm not going to speculate on that uh, sitting here today, sir. I try to give or try to propound a legal analysis of propound. Uh, election laws. Yeah, I'm not going to propound that. I'll yield back. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Roth, um, have you communicated with government officials ever on a platform called JIRA? Now, I didn't know about JIRA, uh, but I'm going to tell you right now, this is fire. So I, I think I'm just going to let um, I'm just going to let you watch this for the next four minutes, because basically what you're going to hear is how Roth and others were on a private server with intel officers deciding on what to censor all right this is this is an extension of the uh, of you know basically 
you look at Norris Insight Systems and you look how the NSA gets everything and you look at how it's run through different types of software and then you find out through Snowden that this is actually an international program with five eyes. This is yet another tool and extension of that. This is the techno fascism and censorship in your face. Yes or no? Real quick answer. We are, we're on the clock. Not yes to no. the best of my recollection. Not no. to your recollection? Great. Have, if you did in the event communicate, who would have had access to this platform? That's the nature of my confusion. Okay. Jira is, did you ever speak to government officials on Jira regarding taking down social media posts? Again, not to the best of my recollection. Can you explain to me why the federal government would ever have interest in communicating through Jira, mind you, a private cloud server with social media companies without oversight to censor American voices? I want to let you know that this is a violation of the First Amendment and the federal government is colluding with social media companies to censor Americans. Mr. Chairman, I ask for unanimous consent to submit these graphics into record. And Mr. Roth, I'm going to refresh your memory for you. This flowchart behind me. Um, this flowchart shows the following federal agencies, social media companies, Twitter, leftist nonprofits, and organizations communicating regarding their version of misinformation using Jira, a private cloud server. On this chart, I want to annotate that the Department of Homeland Security, which has the following branches, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, also known as CISA. Countering Foreign Intelligence Task Force, now known as the Misinfo, Disinfo, and Malinformation, MDM. This was, again, used against the American people. The Election Partnership Institute, or Election Integrity Partnership, EIP, which includes the following Stanford Internet Observatory, University of Washington Center for Informed Public, Graphica, and Atlantic Council's Digital Forensic Research Lab, and potentially, according to what we found on the final report by EIP, the DNC. The Center for Internet Security, CIS, a nonprofit funded by DHS, the National Association of Secretaries of State, also known as NASS, and the National Association of State Election Directors, NASED. And in this case, because there are other social media companies involved, Twitter. What do all of these groups, though, have in common? And I'm going to, again, refresh your memory. They were all communicating on a private cloud server known as Jira. Now, the screenshot behind, uh, screenshot behind me, which is an example of one of thousands, shows on November 3rd, 2020, that you, Mr. Roth, a Twitter employee, were exchanging communications on Jira, a private cloud server, with CISA, NASS, NASD, NASED and Alex Stamos, who now works at Stanford and is a former security of um, security officer at Facebook to remove a posting. So again, they could just lie with the people. I don't recall. I don't recall. You can see the guy's name behind uh, that Alex Stamos is addressing Yoel Roth on this server. And you got to love how these NGOs are funded by the Department of Homeland Security. I mean, you know, again, this woman's on the clock and she nails it and she goes hard. And you notice you had malinformation there as well. Yeah, malinformation, not just misinfo or disinfo. When they get to malinformation, they're basically laughing in your face and they're saying this. They're saying, <laughs> that's totally true. We don't care. We don't care. It hurts us. It hurts our agenda. We're going to censor it anyway. Do you now remember communicating on a private cloud server to remove a posting? 
Yes or no? I wouldn't agree with the character. I don't care if you agree. This, Do you, this, is, this is your stuff. Yes or no, did you communicate with a private entity, the government agency on a private cloud server? Yes or no? The question was if I Yes or no. Yeah, I'm on time. Yes or no? Ma'am, I don't believe I can give you a yes or no. Well, I'm going to tell you right now that you did, and we have proof of it. This, ladies and gentlemen, is joint action between the federal government and a private company to censor and violate the First Amendment. This is also known, and I'm so glad that there's many attorneys on this panel, joint state actors. It's highly illegal. You are all engaged in this action, and I want you to know that you will be all held accountable. Miss Gaddy, are you still on CISA's Cybersecurity Advisory Council? Yes or no? Yes, I am. Okay. For those who have said that this is a pointless hearing, and I just want to let you guys all know, we found that Twitter was indeed communicating with the federal government to censor Americans. I'd like to remind you that this was all in place before January 6th. So, so to say that these mechanisms weren't in place and to make it about January 6th, I want to let you know that you guys were actually in control of all of the content. And clearly we have proof of that. Now, if you don't think that this is important to your constituents and the American people from those saying that this was a pointless hearing, I suggest you find other jobs. Chairman, I yield my time. <laughs> Fire! Yeah, it ain't pointless. It ain't pointless. It'll be pointless if nobody gets arrested. All right? And we got a ton more clips. I'm going to leave with this clip right here where Clay Higgins says, prepare to be arrested to these people. Whether or not that happens, who knows? He said it. And then we're going to go over to uh, the interview that I conducted with Ryan Christian of The Last American uh, Vagabond, who does uh, outstanding work, one of the best alternative uh, news websites out there. Really doesn't get much better than that. So I'm really uh, excited to show that to you guys. Here's Higgins. You ladies and gentlemen interfered with the United States of America 2020 presidential election, knowingly and willingly. That's the bad news. It's going to get worse because this is the investigation part. Later comes the arrest part. Your attorneys are familiar with that. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to spend five hours with these ladies and gentlemen doing depositions surely yet to come. But for right now, I'll yield the balance of my time to my colleague, Mr. Jordan. I think. Hey, everybody, Jason Berm is here. And for the next hour or so, we've got a treat for you. One of my favorites in the alternative media, Ryan Christian of the Last American Vagabond is going to be joining us. And uh, I got to actually meet Ryan a couple weeks ago now out in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, a really fun event because it wasn't just Ryan, but I got to meet Jay Dyer and then others, Rebunked, uh, Courtney Taylor, uh, you know, just getting an opportunity to even ask Mike Flynn a question on the record, uh, Peter McCullough, star-studded event, uh, very diverse perspectives, some of the most diverse coming from the last American Vagabond himself by the way so uh to discuss the balloons the perpetual wars maybe a little state of the union anything else he'd like is ryan christian ryan thank you so much for joining us and other than that what do you got on the table what have you been discussing oh a lot that's a that's a hard question to start with well just a shout out in general uh scott armstrong from rebunk and it's courtney turner from the uh courtney turner podcast both of which are co-founders of pirate stream which is why we were there 
which uh, we, we, we got uh, lucky enough to interview uh, Jason as well on that and a lot of great people there. It was a great event. It really was. I, I, I think I spoke about with you in, uh, in particular mm-hmm. about the biases, even from my own perspective, like coming into it, expecting it to be one thing and seeing it being much more broad and, and at least welcoming in the sense of certain topics than anywhere else you'll find. And I thought that was worth pointing out, you mm-hmm. know, and it's, I still, I'm, you know, my audience as well as yours knows very, my strong opinions about the two party illusion and how that's even that is part of the game, but it's still worth pointing out that there's, you know, you got people out there in the scientific field that are only speaking to Republicans because nobody else wants to give them time to talk or outside of people in my group that are in the middle or whatever you call that. But, but yeah, it was great. I, and it was really nice to meet you too, because you and I have been connecting for a long time and never got a chance to actually say hi and shake hands, which is weird that it doesn't happen these days in this field, but it was nice. No, but, it was uh, awesome. And, and, you know, let's talk about that for a second, just how okay. there's a different perspective out there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously we're not going to see eye to eye with everybody. And even with the state of the union last night, Obviously, the Republicans seem more sane, but it's a cartoon show. Marjorie Taylor Greene is sitting there in a Cruella DeVille outfit. They've got cinema in the in the big yellow banana suit, right? It's like it's out these of are, central casting. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say these are characters. Same thing. I'm just agreeing with you. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> dude, you get the Grammys one night with a big Satan hat performance brought to you by Pfizer. And then the the subsequent thing you get is a bunch of wannabe celebritards in the political field all posturing with some Johnny nonsense on the side. I mean, that's how I feel about it. And, you know, I did a watch along with the whole thing. I just got done with my Making Sense in the Madness segment where we focused on some of the things that Biden said. But really in a post-truth world, if you watched it last night, you can say whatever you want. Totally. <laughs> it, it doesn't even matter. So speaking of saying whatever you want and living in a post-truth world, mm-hmm. um, my audience knows my perspective on the balloons is I've been talking about them for a while, but I want to give you just a couple minutes. Give me your rundown on what you think happened with the balloons, and then we'll have kind of a back and forth on what my theory is. Okay. And if if you want to come back to what else I have on the side, I'm down to get into that. I I was probably going to take up half the show if you let me go off on that. (laughs) But the uh, the balloon is so an interesting kind of shoehorned insertion into this crazy madness that we're in right now. You know, it's like, first first thoughts and i think everybody had the same thought like really a balloon like obvious first take it's like well obviously that's not meant to be secret right like so everyone's kind of like well how could it be a spy balloon if it's this huge balloon that everyone's like look at that balloon right there you know and knowing that we have all sorts of much higher level techno technological techniques that's just first like that doesn't seem to add up but then you realize okay well even the u.s government's been talking about spy balloons and how there are reasons they can be used that are better than x y and z and you know so it's not like it should be immediately dismissed as exactly what it looked like but i just don't i personally as i think your audience would agree with am just such a contrarian today or such a you know i in my immediate instinct is to be like what they're showing you is most likely not the case and i'm even willing to admit that that's probably not the smartest way to it's instinctual though. Like I can't get past it. I, I try to balance it because you could lean yourself astray like that. But usually these days you're correct and going, that's probably wrong. But nonetheless, it seems like that probably makes sense. But overall, I get to the point to where I wonder one, why if, if it was some kind of problematic thing, it wouldn't have been taken, you know, shot down or so on long before that first happened. So that's obviously, I mean, I'm sure your audience is probably well aware of all these points. Like I haven't got, dove deep into this as much as, you know, just I'm giving my perspective of the, day-to-day mainstream coverage but it seems like it was nothing added up about it 
why it didn't get shot down in the first period of time, why it then did later, despite their argument being made about why it shouldn't be shot down. And then the, the at, to your point in the beginning, the two, the parties arguing about, you're so dumb, here's why it should never be shot down. And then 30 seconds later going, yep, see, it's shot down, good for America. You know, it's just people go along with whatever their party is saying at the moment. But I tend to think there's more collaboration going on in, in between China's Chinese government, at least parts of it, and the United States. And so my thought then goes to immediately like, okay, what is this really trying to achieve if it's not what it looks like? And I'm thinking, okay, that's probably something about you know, how the American people will react to any kind of Chinese overstep, you know, how that's perceived, especially the right. Then, you know, arguing like the ultimate concept about like the whole Red Dawn thing came up about how, you know, what would we do in the if, if China did invade? So maybe it's just as simple as setting the table for that next move. I really don't know. I thought maybe what if, you know, there's a balloon from the United States over in China and they're using it to do the same thing and we're pointing at each other. I, I just, I think there's more collaboration overall. Now, I don't think I really gave anybody any insight with that discussion right there, but I, I think that it's just, we should question these things because it seemed like, it seemed comical. Oh, the other point was China then responded after they shot it down by saying like some kind of argument about an overreaction or aggression. And I'm just, I'm like, this just seems like a cartoon, a balloon that they knew was in territory that they said was a weather balloon. They shot it down and then they argue it was overreaction and aggressive. Like it just doesn't make sense. It seems like this is setting up a, a divide context more than anything. I agree on the divide context. So if I had to make a, a skeptics wager on what actually happened, uh, let's go back to your point that there's probably a lot more collaboration behind the scenes with the United States government, especially when you're dealing with technology and space just like there is with Russia openly. We had, for instance, that joint space mission out of Kazakhstan with the United States and Russia in the heart of this conflict. Those things are still going on. Two, let's look at the size of this thing. Um, if you take the balloon off, looks a lot like a satellite to me. It's supposed to be three buses, three school buses. Now on the ground, that's a pretty large thing. Yeah. So what's happening? What do I think happened? Well, I think that there is a much larger network of quote unquote balloon satellites that is a global communications network and possible spy network a la Five Eyes and beyond that is agreed upon already in the air between the United States, Russia and China, bare minimum. You're probably looking at other nation states in Europe and Israel where that same network exists. Now you ask yourself, well, why would they use balloons? Well, first of all, uh, it is a hundred times harder. I actually played this clip, even Elon Musk admitting this, to get something into orbit in the first mm -hmm. place than it is to get it into space. You know, so if these things are at a hundred thousand feet, they're not really visible. Secondly, we already have adaptive and other type of cloaking technology, so there is also the possibility that you wouldn't really see the balloon, and it would be hard to identify whether the satellite was outside of low Earth orbit if you could get a, a glimpse of it with our technologies, right? Okay. With a, telescope and all that other thing. So I think, number one, that network exists. In fact, there's already 5,000 balloon satellites that are admitted in the United States. As you alluded to before, the Pentagon a few years ago was talking about surveillance via balloon satellites. Now, that's right. not to say that we don't have some in orbit, but maybe we have less in orbit that are communication systems than we think. And this is the real communications network. Now, okay. I would say that these things could easily be refueled uh, by autonomous UAVs or even a manned aircraft, a la the same way that they refuel other aircraft that are perpetually in the air, spy satellite, okay. spy aircraft included. And what happens is we're putting more of these up than ever. And this one 
just got out of control and it dropped 30 to maybe 60,000 feet to where all of a sudden okay. you can see it. All right. Now, they already admitted it had a propulsion system on it. It had at least wing. In other words, this thing can move. And I would yeah. assume all of them can move. Right. And they can be directed. So, number one, that thing comes down to Earth. It might have Chinese parts because this is a collaboration. We've already seen techno fascism on the back end many times. And when you're talking about communication systems, you're talking about global. So China comes out, says it's an eco surveillance balloon. They'll go along with the ruse. Now, the reason they don't shoot it over Montana, they want as few eyes on this thing as right. possible for many reasons, right? Because if this is part of a network, and again, if you if you go back, you see what's now being admitted, the several during the Biden administration, the ones the Trump administration didn't know about, but they're like, oops, nobody told us. Mm -hmm. I, I think if there is a paper trail, that's very possible. So, well, so well, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, so I just think that you you probably, you know, right now Starlink's big. But Starlink's not the only thing. And if it's a hundred times harder to get something in orbit like a Starlink, why wouldn't you utilize, especially for something this large? Yes, I see here. I, my I have such a hard time with this kind of, and this is just, and you know, my content, like what the the, the focus on what's happening right now and what we can prove and what's mm -hmm. like the crimes that we can see today that people should literally be in prison for right now. And yet we get so basically, I, I'm interested in this, like I am in anything else that seems to just to give you insight into something you maybe didn't know but what do we know here this is just we're, this is basically consume the news cycle it's become this overwhelmingly assumptive story where it's just everybody like could be this could be that we don't know they could have shut it down because they had this but the point is it's like okay this feels as much as i hate to always be this you know as something that's distracting people from what is literally provable in this real moment not that it's not important to think about to discuss like to you what to what you just outlined seems really interesting like are we completely misinformed about the entire telecommunications infrastructure you know that's a very interesting conversation that should be had but from my perspective i'm like okay well when we have more information that we can prove that's when i want to get involved you know what i mean yeah because right now it feels like it's being aggressively used by all sides at least in the from what we can see in the the u.s media left right and so it just makes you kind of push back from it you know not i don't know again i think it's important but until we know more, which we probably never will, then it just seems like a meaningless kind of insertion to like, again, let's just point at like the damage. Let's point at what we see happening in Ukraine. Like these are real time actual crimes. Or how about just look at, let's see what Israel's doing in Palestine today. All the war crimes being committed there. You know, it's, it, but yet these kind of stories get floated and then the partisan jackals jump on it and it's just like blah, 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 blah. And it just, and none of it is proven. You know what I mean? So where you went with it, I'm interested. Like you got me right. I'm like, that's really fascinating. But most of what's happening today, I just, I, I, that's why I feel like I didn't dive into it very much because I well, yeah, no, is... that's but see. All right. So, you know, I'm watching this in real time and I'm actually thinking, do I go live with this? And then mm -hmm. I take a, a step back and I'm thinking to myself, all right, man, Chinese spy balloons. Let, let's stop for a second. We know right. that China is the model where this whole global reset thing, where they want it to go. We know that we've shared technology on the back end with them. We've made certain treaties, again, behind the scenes in space anyway. That's all real. I go, and we know we've been launching balloons for quite some time. And let's say it was China's, um, you know, financially, it would make sense once again, because it, it's, a, it's a lot harder. Again, we have this kind of Hollywood false notion of how everything is so easy in space. I don't believe that for one second. And then you look at when you have when you get into orbit, how much more uh, advantageous it would be to have what a military presence there. 
And we are in that level of warfare, for instance, in the in the beginning of this Ukraine conflict where Musk is playing his little games on Twitter. And all of a sudden, the head of the space agency has said, watch your tone. We'll nuke all NATO nations <laughs> within 30 minutes from space. And then you go, whoa, wait a minute. what What is this? But then you see a joint collaboration. So, you know, to me, uh, I, I, I think you get to keep that China versus the USA narrative, right? You still get to have the narrative in China that, look, look at the evil Americans. We just had an eco surveillance balloon. It's no big deal. We're not spies. Right. And then on America, they are spies. They're bad. And you get right. to keep that because, look, man, a lot of people uh, are, are going and a lot of people that are supposedly, you know, intelligent or in academia, you know, we're, we're the new Rome. Right. We're burning. All empires fall. We've been too decadent. No, this is a planned implosion. Mm -hmm. Right. We, we've we've slowly and gradually abdicated to other powers in this globalist system via our military and technology on purpose so that they could beta test it on their populations. And hopefully it can be brought to the West. Yeah. I'm watching that... powerful people who who are aware of how historically power diminishes regardless of what you try to do. Like that's just a, that, like like for the example of any fiat currency has always failed. Always, no matter what. Now people argue ours can't, you know, but it's like, well, historically, it's like that's a, almost a given. So we're watching powerful people who are well aware that empires ebb and flow. And so they're going, okay, well, we finally have the power, the technology to maybe change that model. What can we do to circumvent that ebb and flow of power? Well, we're going to completely redesign this, right? And so I'm with you. I think what they did is they said, let's execute that fall. Pretend that that's what happened. And then, and actually, uh, Matt Arrett, who wrote a couple of really great articles about kind of like the roots of the two-party illusion for my website, for The Last American Vagabond, uh, he really has, we've had some great conversations about this entirely, that he argues this already happened more than once. Historically, like, I think you and I have talked about this. I often brought up this point in the past just kind of theorizing for like an entertaining conversation. Like, what do you think the chances are that we're that, you know, hundreds of years ago, castles, you know, the 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 feudal lords kind of time frame, they realized, okay, we want to, you know, we're our power is diminishing. We're watching that people are beginning to go, you know what, I'm 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 done with this whole divine right thing. You know, but something started to change. And they said, How about how do we effectively create the illusion that they took over, but we're still in control? Well, I think that's arguably what could have happened. That we they had a transition from that to where the people were voting for it, but it's all it's all shadows on Kate's, you know. And ultimately, we thought that's the case, and we're still there now. He argues, Matt Arrett, that what we're seeing now is that those very same people just want to come back out of the shadows. They want to come back out as the present front person of who is in control. But and this is the technocrats, the globalists, and they've always been there, working behind the scenes, the eugenicists, you know. So that's just something to think about. And to your point, I think that's what we're watching today is these powerful people are going, they're, they're executing this. You're going, this is, and I think you and I have talked about this long before COVID, as James Corbett calls it, the engineered fall of the West. This has been planned in a lot of different ways, at least on paper. So I, I agree with you. Yeah, you know, and you were talking about kind of like this neo-feudalistic aspect of the failure of royalty to continue to uh, oppress the serf class by this idea of divine right. So they also would go into the realm of science. You know, you, you go even right. all the way back. You talked about eugenics specifically. Um, but what I think that Truthstream Media did that was great in their uh, documentary, The King of the World, is they pointed to uh, Thomas Malthus and the yes. idea of Malthusianism. And then basically, even then, there's too many people. You know, nature, you almost have this Gaia-like perspective and then this divinity rule to oversee 
how we're going to rule the world. And then a return to that at the World Economic Forum on their 50th anniversary, where they roll out their sustainability goals as the form of a crown they put on Prince Charles. And you you look at it and you're like, you know, are they goofing on us on purpose? Um, you know, and then the symbolism is there, you know, the 666, and there's actually right. not 18, but there's 17 sustainability goals. So they split the one up the middle to have two little things to fit it in there. I, I, you look at that, I, you know, and I, I guess we get a little goofy here, right? No, and, no, I, I was thinking the same thing. I often just wonder whether or not they do that just to get us to freak out about it. But I do argue that, as we've talked about, there's historical precedent for those things to overlap with the occultist mentality about him of the past you know so i agree with you exactly and, and it's like you know i i started with malthusian malthusianism and kind of like this pseudoscience that in my opinion eventually leads into darwinism and social Dar darwinism and why they have the divine right to rule and then oh, sorry no no you're you're fine putting anything i didn't on. know it would just pop up i thought you had to bring it in no so. no 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 no. <laughs> we'll, we'll go right to you with that okay and um you look at it and then you see these rituals on TV on top of it all, right? Like like, like the Grammys. Like it seems mm -hmm. so over the top. And then it's corporately brought to you by Pfizer on top of it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, we're getting goofy. Like what is the purpose of that? Is it the kind of out in the open, black, dark, occultic magic? Is it just a big F you, we're going to do what you want? Through social mm. conditioning is it to enrage is it all of these things yeah i mean i i don't know you know i i think if i had to guess what i'm looking at is you know first thing i said actually is we all i always we always should consider whether or not this is just some kind of grandiose kind of flamboyant presentation in order in in with the the interest or the aim aimed goal of getting us to overreact, you know, getting us to jump down this and make all these arguments and connect dots, like, you know, maybe the Chinese balloon was something like that, you know? But all that aside, it's really crazy to see this kind of out in the open, you know, th these things are occult practices, you know, and that whether they know or believe that, whether they care about that or not, like what you're doing is a, you know, the song and the presentation, it's very strange. And there are groups, as you and I have talked about, that believe very deeply what that can do, that kind of massive kind of public demonstration, getting people to sing and chant in unison and, you know, the whole thing. And it's very, very strange, you know, and why that will be done. One, you know, I mean, think about this. There, right now, there's at least some people in political spheres that think that what Pfizer's doing or what the government's doing, maybe the left or whatever else, or satanic, let's say. They know that. They may call it all QAnon and whatever else, but that's present. It's almost up in the front of the conversation to the point to where even the media has to attack QAnon, right? So why then would Pfizer su support something like that? They know what's going on there. Why would the people putting it on do that? Why would the singer choose to lean into that? Because somebody behind him is telling him, or, or first of all, it could be that he is doing his own he decides to do some practice because he thinks that he's an occultist or whatever. I tend to think it's because the people behind him, the publicists, they're tapped into what the zeitgeist is wanting right now, whatever, is going, hey, you come out and you dress like a trans person, call yourself non-binary, you're going to go to the top of the charts. If you come out and look like this kind of person, you know, and that's, that's what I think is largely driving that. But there is a very strange overlap to this stuff, you know? And I mean, like you jump in whenever you want. I mean, it's all, I'm guessing, you know, it's all hypothetical, but that it is very, very alarming to see that. Both of them connected, in fact. So, you know, when I watched that, first of all, I don't know if you're aware with like that he just put out a single where he's got pasties on and it's all trans dudes and 
the you know whole we're getting peed on and i'm not here to make friends and for for me you know th this guy if you go back to his career i don't know much about him but i know he's the like stay with me guy he's a 20 something good looking kid almost looks like he'd be in a boy band got a good voice etc i hadn't heard about sam smith in forever i don't really know who he is sometimes when i go through the daily mail i see with the british tabloids all of a sudden you got a dude who's got a plumber's body in nipple pasties and a corset <laughs> with one of the, like, something I, I can't even watch. That's getting a lot of press. Okay, now you got a performance at the Grammys. Yeah. How do oh, we top he's it? he's so brave. He's so brave. It's, it's just <laughs> creepy. But then, you, all right, what was the big thing? And the big thing this year was little Nas X and his Satan shoes and the fact that he lap danced the devil. How do we put it over the top? full satanic performance <laughs> let's do that one uh and they decide that uh, I, i'd say the creepy thing is the brought to you by pfizer and the fact that you know that was a real tweet by cbs which is paramount which is viacom and they're showing you the rehearsal just so everybody knows they don't just come out on you know they know what they're gonna do they rehearse it and they said we are ready to worship and the the picture you know, had like uh, the silhouette of him with the devil hat on, you know, and the circular thing. They're not in the outfits, but they knew damn well what they were putting on. And it's just so crazy to me that, you know, again, we're about the same generation that even if you're not a Christian, right, Ryan, mm. um, it used to, we used to have a pretty baseline of good or evil. Like the bad guy looked like the devil. The bad guy was the demon. <laughs> it was pretty black and white. And we've had like the rock star, like I pointed to the fact that Marilyn Manson 20 plus years ago, right. when he did uh, the dope show for Mechanical Animals, uh, but it was at the VMAs, but hey, again, Viacom kids, same company. Right. Uh, 20 years ago, he does this performance where a bunch of cops come out all in pink, right? And then they all start making out with one another. So this stuff isn't new, the Satanism, uh, the homosexuality, but I think well, really, really it just goes back to the Methuselah, what the article we can talk about afterward, yeah. the whole kind of you're almost you almost can achieve, they argue you can achieve some kind of enlightenment or bettering of society through decadence and lack of morals. Like that's kind of the underpinning point. Go ahead. We'll come back to it, though. So that's interesting. Well, to me, it, it's just like it, it's that sliding scale of what's acceptable, what can be promoted, because when you're with the MTV crowd 20 years ago and it's Marilyn Manson, whatever, now you're down to like pop singers where they've already done this kind of stuff with Miley Cyrus. Again, none of this is new, but you also have this trans inclusion, which is the new thing. And as I've discussed before, I truly believe is a trans human movement. And then it's brought to you by the pharmaceutical companies that in my opinion, shouldn't even be allowed to advertise on television. And that's why I took the opportunity not to talk so much about the occultic aspects, et cetera, but more the corporate aspects of the commercials that Pfizer has been putting out. Have you seen the the Martha Stewart commercial with the sword? Yeah. yeah. You, you know, well, of course, no mention of any side effects or any other problems, you know, just promotion. And then there's just these baseline commercials where they're not even advertising a product. They're just basically without Pfizer, you're not going to have a normal and thank us that you're having dinner with your family. And it's mind blowing to me. So, you know, right. these people are not only allowed to wage biological warfare on us and psychological warfare uh, through their drugs, right? But really 
physical warfare because that biological warfare in turn is literally changing what humanity is. And that is kind of, again, that social Darwinism. We're going to take uh, control of our own evolution. Even slides into the hidden Pfizer video where they're calling it what? Directed evolution. A term mm -hmm. that they use in that NASA document when they're talking about cross-molecular breeding and oh, yeah. um, different type of mm -hmm. bio-species that are created, Ryan. Tell us about oh, yeah. the article. Well, before that, you you rattled off a whole bunch of stuff there. I wanted to just point, I will come back to it. But the uh, the point was the um, first of all the, the satanic part of it. So what was interesting about that is that the historical context, like you're pointing out, like the, you know the classical good and evil representation. It it's just think about what it means in even today's world. Like yes, we're pretending like you know what's weird is they're all super about morals and integrity, but then when it comes to like anything like what used to be perceived as some kind of perversion or sexual proclivity it's like nothing matters anymore so it's just weird contradictory things as always today which shows you that they're pretending they want moral sustainability equity they don't want any of those things right but the point though is that on the surface you're coming out and you're projecting the devil so from from like a you know kind of like um a cult not no like a trendy kind of a thing like going back to Marilyn manson you know it's you could do it as a as a gimmick Right, coming out dressing up in a cult and whatever else, because that's actually if you really look into Marilyn Manson, you realize that he was a very intelligent person that was basically running a gimmick on people for to you know at least that's what it seems when you read into some of this stuff. But today, you could argue that may have been what that was, some kind of a gimmick in order to you know to make to shock and awe and whatever else. But think about what that means. You're presenting something that's outwardly promoting the devil, like in every possible way, like even if it's a gimmick or not, like why would that be something you would want to do? Like it's just a strange choice. And, and let me this say context. this. I don't know uh, what you know about Evan Rachel Wood and him. Do you know anything about that? I don't follow any of these people. So <laughs> Evan Rachel Wood is the uh, star of oh, Westworld. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. they dated. And she basically, she's come out and named him as he literally used to tie her up and beat her and tell her, horrible things and tell her he was going to kill her while she was restrained. And she, she felt like she was, he was actually going to do these things. Um, so that just tells you in his personal life, whether he was going to do them, he, if she's telling even a quarter of the truth, this guy is into sadomasochism and the mm -hmm. abuse of the women that he is supposed to be in love with, you know? Right. So and how of much of an act, how much of an act is it, Ryan? Right. Right. So you want to see the rest of that interview. Come on over, redvoicemedia.com slash Jason, redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. You actually just try it for a buck for the first week. You're getting some double Burmis right here, okay? A buck for the first week, $10 a month, $100 for the year. You do that at the links below that helps support the broadcast. You don't want to pay. You want to hear the rest of the conversation. You can do that too. You can go to Podbean and just look up the Info Warrior Show right now. I'm even going to put my link to all the other broadcasts. You can just listen to it for free. Got a great RSS feed over there. I wish people would share the podcast as well. And then I do want to say thank you to Rumble and Rockfin for providing me a censorship-free platform. So I'm going to cue it over to uh, the producer. And we're going to stop, start to leave the platforms. Again, we're going to go right to premium 
And we got another 30 minutes or so from Ryan Christian of thelastamericanvagabond.com. Uh, really, again, one of the best out there. I can't say it enough. I really enjoy these conversations. Very intelligent individual. So we will see you later, Rockfin. I love you guys. And uh, perhaps we'll we'll have some bonuses over the weekend for the Rockfin crew. YouTube, you know the drill. Uh, I did have to censor one word. Hopefully nothing else is going to get this video flagged as, uh, you know, we adhered to the majority, if not all, of the thought police's terms. Uh, that is my producer telling me we're good to go. So we're going to say goodbye to Rumble as well and Twitter. And now, folks, without further ado, those supporting over at redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored, let's get back to the interview. It, right. No, exact. Good point. And so, like, you know, then with that being included in the conversation, you know, then you got to consider that there's more, you know, it's just ultimately the bottom line is this is being allowed to be, you know, put forward. And of course, according to the left of the two party illusion, you know, that that's so don't don't, don't kink shame. <laughs> He's allowed to do that. It's just his thing. You know, it's like, well, that's not the same thing when you're doing things that are manipulative or, or violent or, you know, whatever else. But all of that aside as well, I do want to point out what I said in general about the whole, like what I find to be creepy about the whole thing in regard to what he was doing is that it's not necessarily, it's not him just choosing the, his identity. These are people who are abusing what is already a manipulated political push of people who may just in some small percentage of that push have a real problem or have a real choice. They just want to be something else to each their own. I support that. Don't force me to do anything. But the problem is that people like Sam, as I said, like their publicist, whoever else telling them to do that, these are choices, as you made clear. They practice. They know what they're doing. You're a, you are taking advantage of this thing because you know there's momentum because it's a fad right now and the people are acting like it's a cool new thing and so you're coming out and you're abusing that you're oh you're gaining weight so you can wear weird nipple things and like I've seen like a, a someone talking about it. it's it's really unnerving you know what I mean but so all of that aside I going back to to the point you made there this is a really interesting thing to consider of why that might have been done to the whole Malthusian kind of historical context of what we're showing here. And this is the great article from uh, Matt Errett, where, uh, where it's it, the whole, you know, Keynesian Hayek kind of debate of the foundational points of the two-party paradigm. And the point is, not, it's a long conversation, but the reality is when you read into this and the history is that it turns out that both of these people essentially espouse the same, the same kind of doctrine at the core value of it. The, the, the idea from different angles that if you allow this kind of moral ambiguity to put it very lightly that eventually you, that actually pr helps society that it's better as people and it's a it's a it's it's a satan say, uh, not satanist uh, um um what's the other word i'm looking for luciferian kind of mindset right that, that, and that is what this ultimately is rooted in now people that don't understand these terms might think we're just calling them you know oh they're devil worshipers or you know it's not the same thing here right? this is this goes back to this classic occult kind of deep-seated, behind-the-scenes beliefs of these people in power, going back long before even the foundation of this country, you know? So th this is important. What the problem is that people that read this article who are rooted in one side of that illusion immediately push back on this kind of writing, even though we're not talking. They, think, they feel like it's attacking one side of the paradigm. No, it's attacking the entire paradigm. This isn't pro-left from someone who's on the right, even though they perceive it that way. It's not pro-right, even though the left may perceive it that way. It is absolutely anti-two-party paradigm. And it's really important to understand. So I hope people read this because it's it's a crazy 
you know, it's, it's the reason I think a lot of this is kind of dovetailing together. Like we've talked about QAnon and Russiagate and the same kind of manipulation. A lot of that happens, you know, and mm-hmm. that's kind of where I see it. Well, I think the biggest problem is that when you look at the two-party illusion, um, it props up this, this idea, right, that you have a choice, that mm-hmm. it isn't really pure authoritarianism, right? When in fact, right now, you know, the, the State of the Union itself was in a building that was fenced in. Right. So so it gives this uh, illusion that you've got a choice and they get up there and they continually talk about democracy and even, you know, the side that seems to be the common sense side with a few people out there. Look, Thomas Massey has said and done a lot of good things. I like Thomas Massey. You know, I think he's an imperfect creature, just like everybody else. But I want to believe that that guy's on my side. Rand Paul would be another one. But but then, you know, there are these other characters out there that maybe they're trying to do the right thing. Maybe they're not, but they're they're coming in as part of the show. And MTG is definitely I mean, she got a three letter acronym. Like I said, she's coming in in a clown suit. It's like, I don't care how you dress, but this shit ain't a fashion show. But that's how we treat it. Right. And that's why I kind of alluded to those two things you get. You get the celebritards and the entertainment industry one night, and then you get the the other big show, which are the Republicans and the Democrats and and where they're going to decide your life. It's all reality TV. I mean, it really is. Like, what's funny to me is that, you know, you can see this, like, this is what we were saying earlier in the show, is that they perceive themselves that way. These are the new hot celebrities of the reality TV game show that is life now, you know, and and that and that's essentially what this how they're being perceived even the team sports politics where it doesn't matter about facts it's about my side being right because we won today, you know that's how this is being perceived. But what's interesting is they're framing, you know, Magic the Gathering over there, Matt Mar- Marjorie Taylor Green as as essentially the crazy one screaming about you know, hollering and how, what, what lack of decorum. And, you know, they're like, they're, they're framing them as the, cra- but what about when, when Nancy Pelosi stands up or Maxine Waters stands up and, you know, grandstand, of course, that's just because they care. You know, it's just childish misrepresentation. Now, of course, the reverse, the right is framing them as outraged and rightly so. And then when she, when Pelosi does it, she's unhinged. And how about they're all ridiculous? You know what I mean? Like, it's just so frustrating that we get pulled into these partisan arguments. Because I do think it was like I would argue, look, just like let's just take Marjorie for example. I think there should be a level of decorum, just because it makes it impossible to watch and hear and engage when people are shouting and screaming and not everybody's mic'd and it becomes ridiculous. So, but that doesn't. But I, I get the point of where you can't let somebody say something that's just blatantly false when you may not have an opportunity later to be able to stand up and challenge that. I mean, I get it, but the point is their argument to say that there's like a lack of respect. I mean, there, that's a fair point. I don't respect any of it. So I kind of understand, right? Like it's completely lost its path. But overall, I just think that we're watching this kind of de- de- degrade worse and worse and day by day. It's, I mean, we can see these examples of, you know, parliamentary settings in other countries where people are jumping over tables and tackling each other. It's like, we're right there. <laughs> we're like moments away from just absolute chaos because that's how crazy it's getting. These people don't seem to care about anything. Nothing sacred anymore. And I made that comment last night that it was almost devolving into parliamentary status several times uh, during this thing, which, again, I'm, I'm on the fence on, right? Just like you are, because some of these things need to be said. Some of these lies need to be challenged. But really, especially in that forum, they're only going to be challenged in an establishment uh, type uh, scenario where you're not going to be able to obviously, first of all, you're not mic'd up. 
You're not right. going to be able to extensively make your point. Liar, liar, liar. That's about it. And it makes a headline. What does it do? Right. Well, here's the three. This is what's so frustrating, which I'm sure you agree with, is that like, okay, when you how about how about this, Jason? Can you point out a a, a state of the union over the past fifty years that hasn't included lies? <laughs> like, no, let's sir. Be honest with ourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you, would you say? I yeah. No, no, sir. And I've watched a lot of them. I've not okay, seen yeah. one that is is uh. Without lies, no matter what side it is, no matter whether you love Trump or not, right, you know, there right. were inherent lies with Trump and foreign policy, especially, you know, there was the nice rhetoric of the peacetime president. And then there was the drone warfare of the Iranian leader that helped us take out ISIS, right. you know, so, so, you know, and he wanted to stand and every, and you know what, everybody on both sides gave him a big standing ovation for that one. War's good, right? I would take issue with the fact that the, help us defeat ISIS. I don't think <laughs> yeah. the U.S. had any hand in stopping the group that they helped create, but let's just- let's You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, again, <laughs> that's just what he said. You know, again, like, like right, again, right. Like, again, you're not wrong when you say that, but the point is that gets everybody off their feet. And that kind of, of brings me to my next point and my big disappointment is that, all right, you got a handful of Republicans that aren't standing up there and clapping, but we're talking 90, 95% are standing up there clapping when we're talking about poot poot and taking on Russia for democracy. And now we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dead people almost a year later, not in the headlines, nowhere in the headlines. And like you uh, pointed out, Norway, I believe it's 7 billion over five years, over five years. Why are we going to be there five years? Can it even last five years with a first world nation that doesn't want to be in perpetual war and is a nuclear power? So, you know, take it from there. And, you know, before the broadcast, I talked about the fact that you had uh, the ex-Israeli prime minister now coming uh, forward, Ryan. And what's he saying? He's saying there was a peace deal worked out in March, but the Western powers just didn't want it. They were hell bent on war. That's not getting any mainstream coverage. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it seems this I mean, we know the story here. This has been planned for a long time. I mean, you, you have documents, think tanks, foreign policy articles written by ex CIA members telling you that this was always the plan. This was meant to be an insurrection, which means they already knew since 2014, at the very least, you can prove being written that this was going to be an invasion, occupation and then an insurrection, which is not even what happened, mind you. They had always wanted Russia to take over, occupy entirely, and then they could frame it as saving from within. You know, the, the, that's what an insurrection means. They're occupied, they're fighting out from within. That's not what's happening right now. This is an ongoing war, divided lines, right? But what's interesting is day one, on February, what was it, 24th, I believe, is when this first, they were reporting, I think, it, I, was it BBC? <laughs> Probably, because they're the worst, were reporting that tanks were rolling into Kiev. I mean, that didn't happen. Like, let's be clear. When that, on the first day, that never even came close to happening, but they, that was the talking point. Why? Because I think it was they were under the assumption, for whatever reason, that Russia was going to just push in and maybe it was going to be let to happen. I don't know. So overall, I think that the plan is to maintain this. From a U.S. perspective, on the record even, it's about miring Russia in this forever quagmire, just like they meant to do with Syria, just like they did do with Afghanistan and the Mujahideen. It's the same game. And they're all fascist entities being used, whether we're talking about Mujahideen, whether we're talking about the openly fascist Azov movement and all the moving parts there, or we're talking about in Syria with all of the different moderate rebels they funded. You know, it's the same exact game. So I think what we're seeing with the Norway part of it is that you, you tend to see these little parts squeak out, right? Where you get these countries that, 
I mean, like, I, 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 just a record, I don't know if that's officially happened yet. I know, I think it, maybe it has, or maybe it was just about to be passed when I've talked about it. Either way, it's definitely being done. You tell me if you've seen an update on it. I have. They, they're, they're, they're literally opening, proposing, or putting forward uh, what, $7 billion for five years. And so what that shows me is that this government maybe didn't realize that we weren't all supposed to be acknowledging this was going to be going on that long. And so they just wrote it out. Somebody got wind of it, publicized it. You know, and now all of a sudden we all get the insight to at least the Norway's, Norwegian government is thinking, well, for five years, right? So somebody at some level is aware that they want this to go on. At the very least, they're going to allow it to, which just to your point about 100,000 Ukrainians, or I'm hearing like some pretty intense casualty numbers right now. How can that possibly continue unless NATO steps in, which is most likely the whole plan? Right. I mean, I, I think we, we could probably agree on that. I, I not only would I agree on it, I would think that the talking points that I, you know, remember from the war on terror, for instance, mm -hmm. um, a lot of these generals all of a sudden started talking about in 2003 after the after they got their invasion of Iraq, you know, beforehand, all these are going to be limited strikes, shock and awe in and out. People are going to be throwing roses at us. Can't wait for democracy. We're in and out. And then six months after the invasion, a decade, we could be there for two decades or more. And all, all we're still there. Yeah, we are still there two decades. Mm -hmm. and, and I was saying again, 2004, before I made even loose change, I'm like, are you okay with this forever war? Oh, we're going to be out soon. It's not going to be forever. What happens? Not only do you stay in Afghanistan and Iraq, all of a sudden AFRICOM, comes along later on right. you get to sign don't up even hear about that no maybe one, one story about somalia every six months you know it's like that's happening constantly though we don't even hear about it nope and then you get some some libya in there a little syria on the backside. at the same time you start building black sites like guantanamo bay and others yeah that see, you think about that we know about guantanamo there's probably an endless amount that we have no idea about and probably never will that are being operated on black sites in foreign countries where they're not even really present. They're being remotely run, you know, like we saw in Yemen, by the way. Remember that that, that became exposed where we had personnel on the ground when the U.S. claimed they weren't even present. And they were literally there were images of them monitoring the UAE run torture prisons that were, I mean, grotesque. I don't even know if your audience wants to hear about the kind of stuff. I mean, it was really, really gross, like sexual abuse, burning people. I mean, it's horrible. And that's U.S. run. That's yeah. horrific. Well, well, again, how much had to be exposed during the time of WikiLeaks that was happening inside not only Guantanamo Bay, but like you said, other black sites that never ended. It only accelerated. And the news does not report on it. Right. So, so this machine is continuing. All of the conflicts that I discussed, despite getting out of Afghanistan, are which also didn't happen which exactly <laughs> did not happen uh, first of all while all that happens and i think that this is also really important for people to understand because it sets up um kind of the plausible deniability scenario in ukraine to this day is you also take the privatized uh, mercenary business and you expand right. it greatly i mean it, it it was expanded maybe 10 to 100 times during the last 20 years. So now you have ex-military personnel with close ties to intelligence networks that are on the ground directing the action in Ukraine from the from the inception of this whole thing, guys. Like they were right. there from the very beginning. And you have your plausible deniability that they're working on behalf of the United States military. But as you know, who are they taking their direct 
um, their direct orders from, of course, U.S. military assets and technology. This is perpetual yeah. and expanding. And again, the uh, the circle of plausible deniability because of the systems that they've set up is also scary, Ryan. Yeah, no, it really is. I mean, it's it's unaccountable. Here, I'll share this one real quick. This is something we put up a while back. Um, when was this? This was March 19, 2022. Shady U.S.-funded contractors, DynCor and Blackwater, operating in Ukraine alongside U.S.-backed extremists. Like they were, and when I say that, that's literally verifiably alongside the Azov movement, the very people that were committing atrocities. These are U.S.-funded contractors. DynCor, by the way, as you know, as, as you've covered in your work in the past, directly connected to human trafficking, as Cynthia McKinney and plenty of others called out in, in congressional settings. These people are, this is, I mean, I, you know, it, over the years, it's, it, my perception has evolved on how dark I really think things are, you know? Like, you know, when you first get into this, you know, you're a lot of, like, for instance, a lot of the scientists and doctors that are just now realizing how dark a lot of this stuff is are opening their minds to maybe like the vaccine criminality, but like you, you talked about like adrenochrome. Oh, that's crazy because they're, they're resistant to it because they don't want to be perceived as conspiracy theorists. We all go through this process, you know? All through COVID and all this, I'm coming to a point to where, and one thing I've said jokingly throughout like this whole year is it's like, what isn't fake, you know, which is something a lot of the OG conspiracy theorists are like, thank God, Ryan's finally getting there. <laughs> like, What isn't manipulated and fake and strings? But we need to realize how dark a lot of this stuff really is. The human trafficking, the sex trafficking, the organ trafficking. Uh, Vanessa Bealey has done stuff about this from Syria. These are U.S.-backed entities, the White Helmets. I mean, I mean, it's this, and this is not just a byproduct, guys. This is an industry, and this is horror this is like the kind of stuff that will keep you up at night when you dig into it so i just want to make sure we saw that well listen man that that's the whole thing because these are human beings when we're talking about war when we're talking about human trafficking we we kind of get caught up with what's on the big screen or what's in the headline mm -hmm. and it, it seems so far away because their skin tone is different they're speaking a different language but people need to understand just like you said these are industries we're not just talking about you know the mixed up teenager or 20 something that gets mixed up with a pimp and gets into sex trafficking that way I'm not condoning that i'm not saying that's uh you know a great thing i'm saying like you literally have industries where you're taking young girls and then you're breeding them up to be in this industry for 5 10 20 years and sometimes even indoctrinating their children when they have them from right. that young man i just had a, i just had a really disconcerting thought and this is a perfect place to bring it up because you and i've talked about you know i think i mean i think each of us individually kind of came to that obvious in my opinion you know connection of the or the possible connection of the trans movement and the transhumanist direction you know at the very least how it normalizes the idea of altering your body for you know whatever reason you know and, and i know we've talked we had an actually interview for moving target on this right you and i what if the think about the possibility that these things are at least in one part of this are being used right we're talking about young children who are being convinced that they need to remove parts of their body or alter their bodies They're, these are hormone you know we're talking about organs right what what happens with that stuff i guarantee you there's a market out there for those things i don't know why i haven't thought about that before that's pretty disgusting to think about right because i guarantee you that, like let's just say you you have a man becoming a woman i mean what happens with the all of the, the stuff you're talking about down there. I mean, maybe I don't understand the process. Maybe it doesn't all go away. I don't know. I just had that interesting thought. But you're still talking about parts of bodies, even just skin and stuff. Vanessa Bealey has done some work on this in regard to Syria, as I mentioned, where they introduced this to The Hague. And I mean, this was very clear. The White Helmets were, as far as I'm concerned, caught. 
for trafficking and exactly stuff like that. So if there's an industry like that, there's going to be somebody on the peripheral, hopefully not in the mainstream of it, but on the peripheral benefiting from stuff just like that. You know, and so just I always want us to think about that dark side of it and what they could be doing, maybe not the primary, but at least on a side part of all this, you know? Well, I, I'm not sure if you've seen the footage. It's gone kind of viral on the internet at the Oklahoma State House with trans rights or human rights. Da, 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 da. And, you know, they, they've got a handful of like teenage, quote unquote, uh, trans kids, whether that's NGO driven or not. Look, first of all, I'm all about peaceful resistance. I, mm -hmm. I, I think obviously that's extremely manufactured. I do believe this is a transhuman movement. Again, we've talked about the book from transgender to transhuman, but mm -hmm. I think it's really uh, important to go back to 1997. That's a 2011 book where in unzipped jeans, it's a little tough to see. Let's see if we can bring it up a, a little bit bigger here, but they're literally right here. Compulsory, compulsory vaccination to sterilize the population they're they're discussing it here in the very beginning, the first words in here talking who's about the, eugenics. Okay, the author, what's the? This what's the is context? that unzip jeans book by Martine Rothblatt from 1997, where they tell you that they're going to change the way that you have babies. It's all going to be directed by the state taking say, charge just, just of baby. Like, just so I have the context, when you say they, are we? This is a government entity. Well, when they, when uh, Rothblatt discusses it, all right. Mm -hmm. So so the uh, first thing that they're talking about is eugenics in the sense of not only uh, sterilization via the Nazis, right? Mm -hmm. But even before that, okay? Right. So uh, going going back into the very beginnings of using vaccinations or shot to sterilize or euthanize populations. Right. And uh, basically it makes the case that not all eugenics is bad and personal eugenics especially is a good thing when we're trying to drive the species forward and get rid of natural birth. Okay, we got to take, again, the book is unzipped genes. So this is kind of like the molecular biological yeah. takeover, the directed evolution. 71 bucks on hardback, guys. Paperback's 30 bucks. It's <laughs> tough. It's a tough to find book. I may be ordering it uh, shortly just so I can get the, the whole thing. I have the whole transgender to transhuman in the beginning of that, which mm -hmm. is an extension. I believe unzipped genes was while Martine was still Martin. <laughs> okay makes the transition over and that opens up with billions of sexes okay and, and the idea mm -hmm. that it's a large spectrum of sexuality and that there are billions of these things and that you can choose whatever form you want so it goes from just again uh you know the bio taking over biology pre-birth into mm -hmm. this you know brave new world type scenario but then being able to take whatever form you like not only from being transgender, but eventually transhuman and uh, getting out of even your male or female biology. Right. It, it's, it's just, there's something inherently concerned. I mean, the, the, I, I'm curious about what you think in general, right? I mean, I, there's a problem here because obviously I believe that there is some small percentage of people that gen, you know, that have the, I mean, we've seen this throughout history transvestites or whatever we used to call them you know there's been the an example of this as far back as you want to look so shouldn't i mean do i personally don't have a problem with somebody doing whatever they want to do to their own body as long as you're not putting somebody else like i dress up as a woman do cut yourself i don't care that's your body like that it's the same line we draw with anything else you want to do drugs you want to risk your life that's on you it's your body no one else has any agency over that as long as you're not risking someone's life you know doing it while you're driving a kid around you know it's like these things matter 
but the problem is, is that then this conversation eclipses this larger point to where you then, if I'm arguing like, like for that same argument I make every time, like, I don't care what you do as long as you don't force me. People then act like that's not okay. Like, wh at what point did we become the arbiters of who, what people are allowed to do with their own bodies, even if we find it distasteful? Isn't that the same thing the left is doing that we have a problem with? We said, here, I fall into that kind of, that the right has a problem with in the context of, you know, it's, it's the same game, is it not? Like, well, that we're, we just need to realize that. Th go this ahead. is what I, what I say to people. I go, look, man, you're 18 years old and you can sign up for the military and they can send you to go kill brown people elsewhere. That should be the ultimate barrier of what you can do as an adult. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. I find it very disturbing and weird that we used to let 18-year-olds smoke. We don't in most places anymore. That went to 21. And alcohol oh, also right. reserved via, uh, you know, basically the generation before mine. They were allowed to drink at, eight, at 18. That moved up to 21. If we're talking about permanent physical changes to your body, 18 right. bare minimum, we might want to think about 21. And that Ooh. includes hormone blockers or any type of surgery that is going to get rid of your genitals. Furthermore, I, I think there has to be some residence of the fact that you are a parental unit. Okay. I, I was I was thinking about it like this today. I actually talked about it on the show. You know, we come from a generation where if your son had an earring, you're not going to school with that damn earring. We're not doing it. If your daughter had a, a crop top, right? What that. do you think yeah. you're doing? And then it accelerates, right? It's more mm -hmm. things. It's not your son has an earring. He's got two earrings and a nose ring. And now your your daughter's got a tongue ring, et cetera. There are these fads, right? It's very rare that even the people that do that, some of them do grow into it and they continue it, but they change, right? right. We have to, number one, act like you're not allowed to say those things as a parent to things that aren't, you're not able to change after you go in that direction, which is absolutely insane, mm -hmm. right? And then we have to act like, fads don't exist anymore and that people can't be uh, influenced through trends and everything is inherent. When traditionally we've seen that's absolutely absurd. And, and by giving children uh, autonomy over their parents in really some of the most crucial biological operations towards one of the most confusing times of your life where you're literally transitioning from a child, not only physically, but mentally through right. this process, that, you know, there, there is a certain, you know, at 15, 16 year old, you do think, you know, everything you should yeah, be able to exactly. drive a car and you should be able to go to that place. But it's not until after that you take a step back and go, damn, my parents were looking out for me. And right. I think the, the big problem is they want to eviscerate that on behalf of taking over biology, just like I was talking about with unzipped genes, because the more the more you separate that nuclear family and those values and the more you can take hold of children's minds, it's proven. You can direct society. These are the social engineers. Right. Well, this is why they call it, you know, a human right. And the whole thing, that's why they push that is because ultimately, and I agree with everything you said. I mean, the, it's incredible. We can argue that's, that a child, in, and this is their argument to what you were saying, doesn't have the mental capacity to make the decision until 18 to smoke a cigarette or whatever else. That is the logic. So how can you then turn around and argue that they then, but they do have the mental capacity to make this far more serious choice. It's just inherently dumb. And I think that's why a lot of people are out there. Like, that's why I try to come from my original position where I'm not trying to come all the way over the top and say that we shouldn't be a conversation here. It should be, okay, we can talk about this and you can research this, but you can't make these kind of choices until the society, you know, the, the choice there, the idea that, you know, you're mentally able to 
understand the choices. Like when you're a six-year-old and you want to be a superhero, you know, or you want to be a police officer or NFL player, you know, these things are things we talk about, but we all know when we're that age and we're parents, we go, oh yeah, that's, that's cool. You know, go ahead. You can do anything you want to do. You can be whatever you want to be. And we all know that's not true. In most cases, you can try sure as hell can't be whatever you want to be just because you want to, right? But the problem is that has now become real in the context of this one discussion. And that's a little concerning, a lot concerning, because as you said, you've got children making choices they can never come back from. I don't see how you can see that as anything other than a political manipulation, right? It's just as plain as simple as I can make it, because they know that there's some people that don't want, that, that end up changing their minds. I don't care if that's 1%. Right there is enough. You can wait till you're 18. Now, I get, I at least logically understand the argument about why that shouldn't happen. Because they say, well, hormones, and it's too late by then, and blah, 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 blah. You know, and it's like, okay, well, we're, this is a very new level, you know, science, if you want to call it that. Like, this is new, and we're fully understanding. So the problem is we're rushing into this just like everything else, like bivalent mRNA injections they're doing. It's the right thing. Trust us. And then we look back later and go, we destroyed all of this. That's where this is right now. And I think we're in complete agreement on that. And I think it's all about getting us in this next step. And they don't care how many people they destroy to get there. You know, when we talk about the boosters and association, I'd, I'd say it's all premeditated to, again, destroy humanity on separate levels. And that's why I kind of want to wrap it up with this story. I'm not sure if you've seen it yet, uh, mm -hmm. but it's one that I covered from its inception when it first happened a few weeks ago. And uh, especially in the last few days when they have come to this acknowledgement because it's not an isolated story it's not an isolated event and it is nowhere in the mainstream media midwife mom pleads not guilty to strangling her three kids with exercise bands while suffering postpartum depression um, she killed her three small children and the first thing that i said was what kind of medication was this woman on well ryan let me tell you what kind of medication this woman was on they had her on a dozen different medications between October and January. All right. We got Zolpidem, which is sold under the brand name Ambien. Clonazepam, which is sold under the brand name Klonopin. Uh, Diazepam, which is sold under the brand name Valium. Fluoxetine, which is sold under the brand name Prozac. Lamartagine, which is sold under the brand name Lamazil. Lorapazine, which is sold under the brand wow. name Ativan. Miratazan, which is sold under the brand name Remamon. Uh, Quatuplet fumarate and Sequerol, this woman, and, and Trazodone, a dozen, okay? This woman tried to kill herself after she realized what she had done. She slit her wrist, jumped off the uh, building. She's now hospitalized. She uh, can't believe what has happened. Her uh, husband has actually stood by her on this. And, and this is the thing, man. Every time I see that there are children involved, and there, it, this isn't like somebody that's got a bunch of charges on them and domestic dis disputes, and it's a family man or woman, and then they kill their spouse and they kill themselves. I always say, what kind of drugs are they on? Now, my question is, if you're going to find this woman guilty of killing those kids, which unfortunately, whether we like it or not, she is, she did it. Are you going to put anybody in jail from the big pharmaceutical companies that absolutely made that happen? Give me a break. Well, I mean, regardless of whether it's proven that that was why I completely agree with you, the point is that will never even be brought up, which is your point, right? I mean, it's, it's, and that's the, if you think that it's hard to get them to point at or acknowledge the risk of something they've proven can cause this, you know, they, while they have indemnity from everything, obviously injection conversation, 
try to get them to talk about something like this, the abstract connection between multiple drugs being given, it's the same game. They, the, the corporate structure will not go after pharmaceutical companies. If, if you could take it as the, there's a lot of reasons, but the core point, and I was just reading a great article about this. This has been discussed in inner circles for, I don't know, 50 years, that they will not publicly come out against any of these things, even while they know they're hurting people, because they're afraid that will undermine the overall greater success of Western medicine. They are terrified to come back around to realize that all of what we call Western medicine could have been, in fact, a failure. Now, I'm not saying that's my opinion. I'm saying that is their perceived worry, that if we come out and go, oh, my God, these things are actually really dangerous, then people will start to go, what about that one? What about this one? Like we're doing today. What about the flu shot? Has it always been hurting us? What about the rest of them? What about the MMR vaccine? What about that Vax documentary? Right? People are starting to ask these questions now, and you they see the dominoes. So the point is that they're afraid to do that because we're going to stand back and go, what else is wrong? And I think that's an important thing to think about. Ryan Christian, a pleasure as always, my friend. TheLastAmericanVagabond.com is the website. Give us a taste, a taste of the Christian universe of the last week or so and what you got coming up. Oh, God, that's impossible. <laughs> Short ending for the show. But, uh, you know, coming up today, I've got a bunch of stuff I'm going to go over. I think the something, the, the new vanilla ISIS aspect of this, we saw the Maryland, uh, you know, stop white supremacy, stop the attack on the power structure. And they're tied directly to the Autumn Waffen Division, which is tied directly to the Azov movement, which is tied directly to the Rise Above movement, which is tied directly to the CIA. But who cares? It's all Russia, right? Because that's where it's all going. It's And they're also tied to the Russian imperial movement. We're going to go through all that today and show you how clearly this is all connected. They all work in together, I would argue. But we're also going to talk about some COVID-19 stuff. There's an interesting example of a vial that was dropped in a vaccination area that then was swept up really quickly. And over the process of the next day, I think it was like 90-something percent of them broke out with rashes and eye problems and just having the vial of a Pfizer injection drop on the ground. Very interesting. And so that's today for some stuff. I'll be live today at some point. Um, but in general, over the last week or so, there's been some great work. Derek's put out some great articles, Robert, as usual, um, just in general, just kind of trying to knock down the, the illusions that are out there. You know, my, my work continues to be focused on in general, the, the medical malpractice, if you can call it, you know, that's a nice word really for what's going on. But overall, uh, one of them was, uh, there's, I, I, I don't know if you saw, but Fauci put out uh, a, a study in cell.com that admitted this was a failure. It, it, it said it's or even less he's like making the rounds going get your new bad balance shot give it to your children and then the article is literally arguing that yes we, we basically by by and large failed with this thing not because of anti-vaxxers not because of variants the process doesn't work the way they thought it does did so that means they're just going to have to do it better next time i can't even believe that that that, that was an april or excuse me that was january of this year so almost a month has gone by where's the corporate media they're still bumping this in children's arms. They're still forcing college kids to do it in some places. And Fauci's like, we made a mistake. <laughs> Let's all move on. How about some amnesty, guys? What do you think? <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the video of um, the young woman who lost her father. Um, have you seen this? It's two minutes. And, and she's, well, um, she's. I hate to say that there's far too many of those going around. So I'm not sure which one you mean. So uh, you know, you I'll have to send it to you on the back end. But I played it a couple of times because she's got some real righteous indignation. And by the end of it, she's like. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, she'd be yelling about, it's about the remdesivir. Yes, yes. And at the end, she's like, why? So I can watch Rebel News ask Borla a question and do nothing? And and listen, I, I, I have a similar story that happened to my aunt. Same exact thing. They did the same exact thing to her. And I know there are so many others 
that they did that to and who will be criminally accountable. And I'm sick of hearing about Nuremberg too, and that there's going to be white hats to save us. We can't even get justice on the psychotropics guys. You think we're getting justice on the military operation? I wish it were true. And that's why I think we all have to be uh, ever more vigilant. We all have to organize with one another. We have to try to get back free and fair elections. I don't know if that's going to happen. That's a whole nother discussion. Uh, never been there. Yeah. If, I, if I could leave you with one point before you wrap on, on what you just said there on a personal point, because I wasn't even going to bring it up, but it, it's hard for me to even get into. But my best friend in the world growing up, my, my audience knows about this, talked about it a while back. He was probably one of the nicest, most happy-go-lucky people you ever met in your life. I mean, this is just a wrap. You know, he knows what people deal with in their personal life, you know, behind the scenes. But just a genuine, jo jovial person who got told that, you know, because of things he was dealing with in his life, that he probably was depressed. And so let's take some antidepressants. Never in his life. Within four weeks, he hung himself. And it's just nobody, nobody had any understanding of that. Not the closest people to him, not myself, not anybody in his family, nothing. Just woke up one day and he was gone. And it's just, and, and now we have the articles coming out. Oh yeah, you know, are, are we, we're wrong. They don't work. Yeah. It's like, where, where are these people? Where yeah. are they, where, why are they not in prison? With stuff like that happening you know where are the people who who knowingly continue to push opioids and killed hundreds of thousands of people are then oh here's a fine here and we'll, we'll still buy your narcan to help with the opioid addiction you know i mean it's th this is a problem that's not just some small part of it this is a an industry government overtake they don't care and it's time for people like us to stand up and change that so thanks for having me on. Uh, I, I agree with you, man. And, you know, I, I could give you some other personal horror stories with these psychotropics. It, it, it's nuts. You know what I mean? And, and it continues. Uh, keep up the good work. we got to do this more often. I want to thank yes. you one more time. LastAmericanVagabond.com. Ryan Christian, we'll see you on the flip side. Thanks, brother. Ryan Christian, kicking harness, taking names, uh, really powerful interviews, smart guy. He does it more than I do it. He goes live like three hours a day, I think like six, seven days a week. He's also got a premium show over on Rockfin. So if you're subscribed to me premium over on Rockfin, you would also get that. I think it's like a once a week interview podcast. I've been on that as well. Um, we got a little bit more time and uh, I want to utilize that time to play more, more of these encounters via Twitter. Uh, so let's start with uh, this one again. There, there was a lot of good stuff here where, you know, not only was Hunter Biden brought up, but obviously the COVID-1984 aspect also. Mr. Roth, while at Twitter, how many meetings did you have with the FBI? I couldn't say for sure, but I was More would than 10? That's a reasonable estimate. More than 20? Estimate. I couldn't say for sure. More than 50? That seems a bit high. Many meetings with the FBI. Well... We know, uh, uh, how many FBI agents worked at Twitter while you were there? I don't believe any active FBI Former agents. Former FBI agents, how many worked there while you were there? I'm aware of perhaps two. Oh, I'm aware of perhaps two. Come on now, come on now. Look how unhappy uh, the woman next to him with the Coke is. And, and uh, if you could see more of VJ God's face there, and you know what, I'm gonna let you. We're gonna just scroll right over here for the viewers. She doesn't look too happy either, does she? Oh, they're not so happy sitting up there now, are they? Nope, not so happy. 
well, we know of at least nine um, because they started the BU group chat, BU for Bureau. Now, Mr. Roth, did the FBI ever ask you to share information like users' communication data without going through proper legal channels? No, they did not. And I would have refused if they had. Um, that's correct. I see that you denied Agent Chan's request for access to Twitter's data feed. What's sick isn't that you would deny it. Uh, it's that the FBI would even ask you for the private data of American citizens without going through legal channels of the law. Now, I want to remind you, Mr. Roth, that you are under oath. Did the FBI ever ask you to do anything that was illegal or questionably legal? Not a lawyer, but certainly not to the best of my recollection or knowledge. Now, from the hearing that I've been a part of today, um, it's almost impossible to tell where the FBI ends and where Twitter begins. We have Mr. Baker here, a former FBI agent, and there seems to be a revolving door between the FBI and Twitter itself. Um, even Mr. Baker said that there was no collusion with the federal government and Twitter. But Mr. Baker, that's you. You are the collusion between the federal government and the FBI. Look, Bobert ain't perfect in this aspect. She is correct. She is correct. Now, with it, this is such a problem because we're seeing censorship all over. Mr. Roth, Miss Gaddy, did either of you approve the shadow banning? of my account at Lauren Boebert? Yes or no? No, I did not. Not to the best of my recollection. Well, let me refresh your memory because on March 12th, 2021, and Mr. Roth, I know you looked at it because fascist Twitter 1.0 had a public interest exceptions policy, which means for members of Congress to be shadow banned, it had to go before you, Mr. Roth. So I'll ask again, did you shadow ban my account? Yes or no? Again, not to the best of my recollection. So the answer is, Mr. Roth, yes, you did. I found out last night from Twitter staff that you suppressed my account for this tweet. It's a freaking joke about Hillary Clinton being angry that she couldn't rig her election. It's a joke. But in response, being the sinister overlords that you all are, you placed a 90-day account filter so I could not be found. And now we see here that Twitter staff said the visibility... I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it back. This lady right here, the lady with the glasses and the and the, uh, the festive winter sweatshirt, just watch her laughing away. Let's bring it back a little bit. You placed a 90-day account filter so I could not be found. And she now said we something to her. Twitter staff said the visibility filter on my account excluded me from top searches, prevented notifications for non-followers, and much more. This is considered an aggressive visibility filter. You silenced members of Congress from communicating with their constituents. You, you silenced me from communicating with the American people over a freaking joke. Now, who the hell do you think that you are? Election interference? Yeah, I, I mean, pretty good stuff right here. Not going to lie. Pretty good stuff right here. I would say that that was taking place because of you four sitting here. The Hunter Biden laptop story was suppressed. A sitting member of Congress was suppressed. A, a sitting president was banned from Twitter. You know, I bet that Putin is sitting in the Kremlin wishing he had as much election intervention interference as you four here today. We've heard about threats to democracy. Well, what about shutting down a duly elected member of Congress? This is fundamental to our nation's governance, 
And you all attacked that very foundation. 230 protections, well, those are for publishers, not for editors. And it's clear you are not acting as publishers, you are acting as editors. And Mr. Chairman, I think it's far past time that we remove 230 protections for, for big tech platforms who are abusing this protection. And let me just say, I'm not angry for myself. I'm not angry because I was silenced. I can reach out to Elon and to his staff and I can see what's happened. And I can sit here today and hold you all in account. I am angry for the millions of Americans who were silenced because of your decisions, because of your actions, because of your collusion with the federal government. They can't reach out to Elon. They can't sit here today and hold you into account. We don't know where the FBI ends and Twitter begins. But I do want to thank Mr. Elon Musk for firing seconds, you for and saving free speech and even Twitter. Mr. Chairman, I yield. All right. Up next, um, you got James Comer. That's uh, a pretty good one, but really Raskin is the highlight for me. Gentleman yields back. I'll recognize myself. Notice Raskin putting on his mask right away. Again, you thought Bernie was the only one still masking up tight. No, 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 no. The show's not over, folks. The show is not over. Now for questioning, the Biden family investigation begins with the story of how big tech, the media, former intelligence agents, and the Bidens themselves suppressed the story of Hunter Biden's laptop weeks before the 2020 election. Today, we're hearing from Twitter executives who buried the New York Post laptop story claiming it violated the platform's hacked materials policy. In reality, the Twitter executives were hostile towards conservatives and biased towards anyone who opposed their points of view. For example, Mr. Roth, did you write this tweet? I regret the language that I used in some of my former tweets, but yes, I did post that. And I'll read the tweet so it's in the record. Yes, that person in the pink hat is clearly a bigger threat to your brand of feminism than actual Nazis in the White House. Mr. Roth, do you think all conservatives are Nazis? Certainly not, sir. What about the hundreds of people who worked in the Trump administration? Certainly not. Did Ms. Gaddy or any other lawyer at Twitter ever tell you to take down that tweet? No, Twitter did not have a practice of restricting employees sharing their personal viewpoints on the service. <laughs> I mean, look, 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 I mean, Gaddy's face, Gaddy, Gaddy's face says it all says it all all right we got th this one's probably the most powerful because here you do you have uh you know a sitting member who took the hate and lies shot got injured from the second hate and lies shot and isn't very happy that you know these people helped censor information about the hate and lies shot Thank you, Mr. Chairman. The Twitter fires files were not just about Hunter Biden's laptop. Twitter files make it apparent Twitter worked overtime to suppress accurate COVID information. Dr. Jay Bhattacharya is a professor of medicine at Stanford who once tweeted an article he wrote about natural immunity. Thanks to Elon Musk's release of the Twitter files, we learned some of his tweets were tagged with the label of trends blacklist. Apparently the views of a Stanford doctor are disinformation to you people. I, along with many Americans, have long-term effects from COVID. Not only was I a long hauler, but I have effects from the vaccine. It wasn't the first shot, but it was the second shot that I now developed asthma that has never gone away since I had the second shot. Um, I have tremors in my left hand 
And I have the occasional heart pain that no doctor can explain, and I've had a battery of tests. I find it extremely alarming Twitter's unfettered censorship spread into medical fields and affected millions of Americans by suppressing expert opinions from doctors and censoring those who disagree with the CDC. I have great regrets about getting the shot because of the health issues that I now have that I don't think are ever going to go away. And I know that I'm not the only American who has those kinds of concerns. But again, you're being gaslit into believing that this isn't an issue at all. I mean, look at that row of guilty parties. Hey, not so great to be a minion of the system today, to be a predator class puppet today, is it? Another example of what Twitter has done to censor folks is uh, from Dr. Martin Koldorf, a Harvard-educated epidemiologist who once tweeted, COVID vaccines are important for high-risk people and their caretakers. Those with prior natural infection do not need it, nor children. The Twitter files reveal this tweet was deemed false information because it ran contrary to the CDC. So my first question... And really the sad thing is that nobody needed it, period. This morning of Ms. Gaddy, may I ask of you, where did you go to medical school? I did not go to medical school. I'm sorry? I did not go to medical school. That's what I thought. Why do you think you or anyone else at Twitter had the medical expertise to censor a doctor's expert opinion? Our policies regarding COVID were designed to protect individuals. We were seeing- You guys censored Harvard-educated doctors, Stanford-educated doctors, doctors that are educated in the best places in the world, and you silenced those voices. My next question is, the U.S. government- Oh, excuse me. I have another chart I want to show you, Ms. Gaddy. Um, I have another tweet by someone with a following of a full 18,000 followers. This person- put a chart from the CDC on Twitter. It's the CDC's own data, so it's accurate by your standards. And you all labeled this as misleading. You're not a doctor, right, Ms. Gaddy? No, I'm not. Okay, what makes you think you or anyone else at Twitter have the medical expertise to censor actual, accurate CDC data? I'm not familiar with these particular situation. Yeah, I'm sure you're not. But this is what Twitter did. They labeled this as inaccurate. It is the government's own data. It's ridiculous that we're even having to have this conversation today. It's not just about the laptop. This is about medical advice that expert doctors were trying to give Americans because social media companies like Twitter were silencing their voices. I have another question, my last one for you, Ms. Uh, Ms. Gaddy. Did the U.S. government ever contact you or anyone at Twitter to pressure Twitter to moderate or censor certain tweets? Yes or no? We have a program. Did the U.S. <laughs> I mean, I, of course they did. We all know they did. You Like, look how upset she looks at having to answer any of these questions. It's not so easy now that you're not on the Joe Rogan podcast with Jack Dorsey with your Bernaysian talking points where you can just interject Johnny nonsense all over. Get out of here. No. Government ever contact you or anyone at Twitter 
to censor or moderate certain tweets, yes or no? We receive legal demands to remove content from the platform from the US government and governments all around the world. Those are published on a third party website and anyone can review Thank them. God for Matt Taibbi. Thank God for Elon Musk for allowing to show us in the world that Twitter was basically a subsidiary of the FBI, censoring real medical voices with real expertise that put real Americans' lives in danger because they didn't have that information. I also want to thank one of my colleagues, uh, Rokana, because it, as it turns out, censorship isn't just an important issue to conservatives. Some of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, like Roe, uh, found this censorship very concerning um, and even wrote to you and to folks at Twitter um, that uh, he was concerned about the First Amendment being censored. So I want to thank him for speaking up and speaking out about this issue um, because this is not this should not be a, a partisan issue this should be an issue that's an american issue mr chairman i would like to enter into uh the record i asked unanimous consent to enter into the record a wall street journal article from december 9th 2022 by justin hart entitled the twitter back blacklisting of jay Bhattacharya." enter the record please mr chairman. without objection so ordered boom Boom. There it is. And there it is. Folks, I want to thank you so much for joining me for this reality rants over on the flip side, over on the paid side, over on the uncensored side, redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored slash Jason. If you're watching this on the rebroadcast or you're listening on the Podbean and you're thinking, hey, I would have liked to see the video as well. That's how you can support me. Guys, I absolutely love you. We will be back next week. Strong as ever, Monday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time. Not about left or right to me. Always about right and wrong. And I'll see you on the flip.